You're tuned in to the Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant, one of the most listened to podcasts in the Christian community. You can visit our website, toddcoconado.com, and now broadcasting live around the world from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, here's the host of the show, Pastor Todd Coconado. Should Christians get involved in politics? Should Christians get involved in politics? That is today's broadcast. And I think you're going to find it uh, informative and helpful because we are in a battle. It's a battle for our nation. It's a battle for our world. It's a spiritual battle, a battle of light versus darkness. Don't get it twisted. It's not a political battle. It is a spiritual battle. When you see the wickedness that they're pushing on our kids, when you see the, the moral depravity and all the different things that are happening in our society and in the Western culture, uh, clearly there's a problem. Anybody with eyes to see, I'm sure you can see that. Uh, there, you know, people that don't even serve the Lord, atheists understand there's a problem. People are moving from these blue states to red states because they can't walk outside safely in America anymore in certain places. They don't feel safe. Their homes are being, you know, uh, victimized and people are sleeping in their backyards. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on in California, uh, Chicago, New York. You hear about the stories of the New York NYPD. I, I, I have friends that are from NYPD, and they tell me, we don't even want to do this anymore. You know, this is awful. We don't, we, we, this is, you know, not even, why would I risk my life every day? And of course, officers risk their life every day anyways. But now, a government that has basically, you know, allowed them to be open to all kinds of attack from foreign nationals that, you know, military-age men, I mean, it's getting all that stuff. I mean, these are not political issues. These are spiritual matters and so i'm going to read from a blog that i put out talking about this where i said should christians get involved in politics then we're going to discuss this today we're going to look at romans 13 a little bit before the end of the show as well uh here's what i said i said firmly i believe christians should be involved in politics just like we should be involved in all areas and aspects of our society we're meant to be the head and not the tail this includes politics education media government and so on. Now, there's a group of people right now that will literally attack you for saying this. They'll, they'll say you're a Christian nationalist. That's a weaponized term, just like conspiracy theorists. They're weaponizing this term to, to make it to where Christians just completely stay out of politics. You know, the whole separation of church and state thing, which we'll get into in a second. Culture is downstream of the church. Many issues that people now consider political, such as marriage, gender, abortion, education, etc., are not. These are spiritual matters, moral issues that have been deemed quote-unquote political and hijacked just so that Christians are hesitant to speak to them. We cannot be. We must speak what the Bible says on all matters. This is not a controversial stance, by the way. This is a biblical stance. Somebody that may have told you this is controversial they're given in to the conformity of our society. But this is not controversial. This is what the Bible tells us to do. Uh, while politics are not my main thing by any means, and definitely not the hill that I'm willing to die on, as only the gospel is that, that doesn't mean we don't address concerns that conflict with our biblical values in the political realm. We've got to be engaged. That's where the battle is. We got to go to where the battle is. Politics are still important. And I definitely don't think that we should leave a vacuum there 
so that other radical groups can take advantage of our absence. Christians must engage wherever the battle is. That's what we do when the Bible instructs us to occupy until he comes. My main mission is to preach and teach the gospel message, to go and make disciples, to see people saved, healed, set free, and delivered. I am not a politician. I'm not an apologist for politicians. I am a preacher. I do not live in or dwell in the swamp of the political world. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I learned a while back that the political world is not where I should live. It's not for me because it's not my calling. It doesn't mean I don't speak to it, though. If I am to die on any hill, it is the hill of the gospel and standing for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the solid rock, his word, and biblical truth. That's who I am. That's what I'm called to do. But I'm not restricted to be silent on moral truth and quote-unquote political matters. That affect our lives, children, freedom, and future. That would be unwise and a dereliction of my pastoral and Christian duties. Christians need to know that we have freedom to speak to what we deem and they deem political issues. Just like all issues, because we must take a stand for righteousness in all aspects of our society. This includes politics. Again, my main thing is always the gospel and preaching truth, but that does not mean I am to be silent on matters in the political realm that affect our lives and freedoms. I will not be silent. As for the hill I'm willing to die on, that is the gospel message and the truth of Jesus Christ and his word. He is the chief cornerstone and our firm foundation. He is our hope. He is our answer. This nation needs a great spiritual awakening, and we need to return to our first love and restore our foundation in faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let me read you some scriptures that will be in alignment with our involvement in politics and society, but we still prioritize the gospel. And so here it is, Matthew 5, 13 through 14. Matthew 5, 13 through 14 says, we are the salt and the light of the earth. The salt of the earth, the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And this illustrates the role of Christians to influence and to preserve moral standards in our society. I'm gonna read it again, Matthew 5, 13 through 14. It says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And this, again, illustrates our role as Christians to influence. We are meant to be influential and to preserve moral standards in our society. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is what's known as the Great Commission. And it emphasizes the spreading of the gospel and teaching Jesus' commandments, which includes, by the way, addressing moral and spiritual matters. How did these weak sauce, soy boy people interpret these scriptures in any other way than what I'm saying? How, how, when, how did these people, I don't get it. Do you get it? How some of these pastors that never speak to these issues that they deem quote unquote political, like marriage? Marriage between a man and a woman, that's political? Like the killing of the innocent, that's political? How is that political? When did that become political? And what is this whole separation of church and state thing? 
You're telling me we're, we're supposed to separate ourselves from the state, the very place that we live and have our lives? Well, so what are we, like some separatists that just go up in the hills and, and live in a commune? And then we wonder why our kids are being indoctrinized with this demonic woke agenda. Because these, some, somewhere along the way, somebody was, they, they've been drinking too much soy and they, and they, and they lost their uh, chutzpah. So go, therefore, into the nations, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. This goes back to that ridiculous he gets us thing where they're just teaching half of it. We're going to wash your feet, but we're not going to tell you anything. And a lot of people argue with me on that, but I think some more people are starting to understand what I was saying there. I'm not trying to be rude or mean or haughty in any way. I'm just saying, like, this is what, what God said to us to do in Matthew 28, which is known as the Great Commission, by the way, is to go into the nations and teach them to observe all that he's commanded us. So we've got to teach them what he's commanded us. Otherwise, we're not doing the Great Commission, right? I mean, am I wrong here? What about Luke 19, 13? He says he's called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy until I come. And this parable encourages active engagement and stewardship in the world until Christ returns. This is good stuff. I don't want... It always blows my mind. Like, why is this not being taught from a lot of pulpits? It's so blatant and in our face. Like, they're doing such a disservice by leaving this out. Because once you hear this, you understand what the Father wants of us. Let me read this again. Luke 19, 13. He called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, what? Occupy until I come. And it encourages active engagement and stewardship in the world until Christ returns. You want to know what's wrong with our society? We haven't been stewarding it well. God's given us blessing. He's given us everything that we need, every tool that we could possibly need, everything that we could possibly need. But some, somehow we messed it up. And, and, and we just said, let's just stay out of this. Let's just stay out of politics. You shouldn't get political, Pastor Todd. You're going to ruin your ministry. Well, first of all, this isn't my ministry, so I'm not going to ruin it. Second, I'm going to follow the Bible, which is God's word, and it's his ministry, and so I need to do what he says. He told me, occupy until he comes. And to steward the engagement, you know, and this, this parable encourages active engagement and stewardship in the world until Christ return. Mic drop, done. What about Proverbs 29.2? Proverbs 29.2. Couldn't be more blatant than this. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. So this, of course, suggests the importance of righteous leadership, which Christians can influence through political involvement. If we're not engaged, then you're going to get a wicked rule. That's what's happened. That's why you have a man who is falling down all over the place, who can't even barely speak. That, that is the fruit of a disengaged church. Now, praise God, there's a remnant, and I believe the remnant is rising and waking up, and that's you, and you're sitting there listening wherever you're listening on your device in your, in your car, and you're saying, yes, thank you, Pastor Todd, for saying something. But my question to you, and I know you get me, is why is it that this isn't like a much bigger, why aren't more people talking about this? Because it's right here. 
It's not like I just discovered some crazy mystery. You know, oh my gosh, like, wow, the I've discovered a mystery. No, it's right here. Occupy until they come. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. What about Esther 4.14? Esther 4.14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your family, your father's family, will perish. Hello? And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I'm speaking to some Esthers right now. I really believe that. I'm speaking to some Esthers that are listening to this broadcast right now, and this is bearing witness in your spirit. You know, listen, the anointing can come during a radio show. The anointing can come during a radio show. You, some, somebody, this is clicking to some of you right now. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. Hello? And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther's story shows God's positioning of people to influence governance for his purposes. Esther was not going around saying separation of church and state. Separation. No. In fact, it was the very opposite. If you remain silent, you and your family are going to perish. Hello? You can't be silent. You can't, it's, it's literally saying the opposite of what people are telling us to do. Well, does that surprise you? I mean, when you have a reprobate society that's fallen and into depravity, of course it's going to tell Christians, you got to stay out of politics. They don't want to hear the truth because the truth sets the captive free. What about Daniel? Here's a prime example. I, I, I talk about this often. Daniel uh, 3, 17 through 18. Daniel 3, 17 through 18. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's refusal to bow to the king's image, demonstrating the principle of standing for God's commands over governmental decrees. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the king's image, which, which literally demonstrated the principle of standing for God's commands over governmental decrees when a government has gone awry, when it's turned tyrannical. Acts uh, 4, 19 through 20, Acts 4, 19 through 20, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? <laughs> which, which, okay, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about that which we have seen and heard. And this shows the apostles prioritizing obedience to God over human commands relevant to speaking truth in all areas, including politics. In Jeremiah 29, 7, Jeremiah 29, 7, it says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because of it. Uh, pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I speak this over the United States of America right now. 
Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. To all those folks that are coming here from other places around the world, fleeing to America illegally, I hope you hear this message. I hope you hear this message because it needs to pro- America needs to prosper for you to prosper. Liberal leftist activists that hate America, you know what? If you, if you want America to fail, you're going to fail. Why do you want to be on a sinking ship? Why do you want the plane to crash? These people that hate America, well, then get out of here. Why would you hate the country where you live? That's so silly and stupid. Oh, man. I'm taking the gloves off today, aren't I? Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too shall prosper. It encourages believers to seek the welfare of our communities, which includes engaging in the societal structures. We've got to be active in politics. All areas of society. These people that are out there online, I hear them, and they're like, oh, Christian nationalists, don't be involved in politics. These people, they're Christian nationalists. No, you just don't understand the Bible. Because I'm, I'm going scripture by scripture today where it is very, very clear, and I don't know where you're getting your narrative from, but it ain't from the Bible. Ephesians 5.11, Ephesians 5.11, it says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And this encourages Christians to stand against moral wrongs in our society. If you're a pastor, if you're a leader in the church, if you're a Christian, why are you, why are you okay with sin without saying anything? I mean, it's setting these people up for failure. That's the whole reason the church is here. We're a buffer. We're a buffer to to push back the wicked plans of the enemy, to speak truth so that people are set free and healed and delivered and saved. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. It says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority that we may, we may live how? Peaceful and quiet lives in all of our godliness and holiness. This highlights the importance of praying for and influencing those in authority for a society conducive to Christian living. So, okay, what about Romans 13, Pastor Todd? I've heard people say you gotta, you gotta obey the tyrannical government no matter what, don't get involved, don't get involved, don't get involved. Well, Romans 13, 1 through 7, is a passage that's been widely discussed and sometimes debated, often debated, within the Christian circles, particularly regarding to its application to governments that are perceived as tyrannical and evil. And this passage instructs Christians to submit to governing authorities, stating that all authority comes from God and that rulers are God's servants for good. However, the complexities of applying this teaching in the context of oppressive and immoral governments have led to various interpretations. From a biblical standpoint, several principles can be considered when discussing whether and how Romans 13 applies in situations of tyrannical or evil governance. I'm going to get into this because I heard a lot of this thrown around during the C-19 era. And it was, it was wrong. It was, a, it was a, an incorrect interpretation. Number one, higher authority. While Romans 13 emphasizes submission to governing authorities, Acts 5.29 provides a counterbalance. When the apostles were commanded by Jewish authorities to stop preaching about Jesus, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And this suggests that while there is a general principle of submission to authorities, obedience to God takes precedent when human commands directly contradict God's commands. 
What about the purpose of government? Romans 13 also describes the purpose of government as being a servant of God to do good, to punish evil, and to promote justice. So when a government acts contrary to these purposes, promoting injustice, persecuting the innocent, or enacting evil policies, its legitimacy from a biblical perspective is called into question. And Christians are then faced with the challenge of discerning how to respond in a way that honors God while also considering the principles of justice and mercy. Biblical examples of of civil uh, disobedience. Are there any? Yes. The Bible contains examples of godly individuals practicing civil disobedience in the face of ungodly commands from authorities. For instance, the Hebrew uh, midwives disobeyed Pharaoh's order to kill the Hebrew male babies. In Exodus 1, uh, 15 through 21, Daniel prayed to God despite a royal decree against it. Daniel 6, 10 through 13, or uh, 23. Daniel 6, 10 through 23. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship Nebuchadnezzar's image. This is Daniel 3, 8 through 30. And these examples show that when government commands conflict with God's commands, biblical precedent supports choosing faithfulness to God. In other words, we, we obey God rather than tyrannical government. What about the prophetic role? Throughout the Bible, prophets often spoke out against the kings and authorities who were leading the people away from God or oppressing them. And this suggests a role for believers in speaking truth to power and advocating for justice even in the face of ungodly governments. While Romans 13 establishes a general principle of submission to government authorities as ordained by God, the broader biblical narrative provides a nuanced view that recognizes the supremacy of God's authority and call to justice. When faced with tyrannical or evil governments, Christians are encouraged to seek God's wisdom, to always obey God and his word above human authorities when they are in conflict in order to operate in ways that reflect the character of God. This discernment process requires a careful and prayerful consideration of Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit in the counsel of the Christian community. It's important that we understand God, His law, the Word of God, always, always goes over man's rule. If, it, if anything goes against God's Word, you stick to God's Word, not to what man said, in other words. And so we as Christians have a unique a distinct position, according to the word of God, to be the head and not the tail. We Culture is downstream of the church. Culture is downstream of the church. So it's very important for us to understand that we as Christians have to always obey God's word, what he said over anything else. We are the salt and the light. We, we have to obey what God said. If, if the government is saying you got to take a mark, don't take it. Don't take it. If the government is saying that you have to do something that's sinful, don't do it. No, resist, resist, resist. We are not meant to to compromise in order to follow Romans 13. So that's where the understanding of this has to come. So when they say shut down the church, you say, actually, no, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together of the brethren. When they say, well, you can't touch people because of this, this plague in the land, you say, no, actually, the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. See, we got to we understand what the Bible says usurps in, in a righteous way. The, you know, in other words, it, it overpowers whatever the tyrannical person in the government that's going against the Bible says, or, or any person in your life. If anybody's telling you you got to sin, you got to say no. Resist the devil and he will flee. Like, no, there's no sin that will overtake you. There's nothing that's going to be too powerful for you. 
Every time that you obey the word of God and you do what's right before the Lord, his favor and his blessing is on you. And even though you may be put through the refiner's fire like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you will not be burned. You will not be touched. You will come out better and stronger on the other side. You say, what if they throw me in jail? Well, that's what they did with Paul. That's what they did in the Bible with with many of the folks. But the question is, are we real about this this Christian faith that we have? Because if we're real, like we have to understand, listen, we've had it pretty easy here in the West. But there's going to be a time, and it may be sooner than later, that the governments of this world are going to tell us you have to sin in order to get your food. You have to sin in order to live free. And that is going to be the time when a lot of people are going to, I mean, they're already falling away right now. You see a great falling away happening. There's a great harvest of souls, and simultaneously, there's a great falling away at the same time. And so God is separating the wheat from the tares. And one of the things that if you are a narrow gator, if you're somebody who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, if you're somebody who's like, look, I'm in this for life no matter what. I've made my decision. I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you, and I pray it is, then there's, there may be a time when you're going to have to make a real big sacrifice for your faith. I pray you don't. I pray it never happens in your lifetime. But the way things are going, it's very likely that it may. And so we have to make a decision now. Do we believe this or don't? Oh, wow, you sound radical, Pastor Ty. You're a radical. Am I a radical? Because Jesus was considered a radical. I'm radically saved. I'm on fire for the Lord, but I don't think this is a radical message. This is the message that the Bible says is going to happen, and here we are. So we're going to have to, listen, some of us are going to be jailed for our faith at some point. I pray it doesn't happen, but I I guarantee you somebody listening to this broadcast is probably going to have to deal with that. I know friends of mine that have been in other countries that have been persecuted already, missionaries, and there's brethren right now around the world that are dealing with this. Should Christians get involved in politics? Well, yeah, we need to be involved in all areas of society. What, what, what person came up with this thing like Christians need to separate from church and state and all that? Where, where did that come from? The letter to the Danbury Baptist that said that the government was going to stay out of the church's business? Is that, is that what they're talking about? Because it is. And a lot of people are very confused about this. So God is wanting us to be a people that stand. In this hour, he is raising up Davids and Esthers and those who have ears to hear and those that are saying, look, no matter what happens, I'm going to stand for the word of God because I've made a decision in my life to serve Jesus Christ. He's the author and the finisher of my story. He's the power, the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us. Hallelujah. You probably won't hear this type of talk in very many places, but this is the Bible, folks. I love you. I bless you. Listen, PastorTodd.org is the website. PastorTodd.org is the website. Todd Coconato app is now out. Download it. It's a way to get around the censorship. Download it. Todd Coconato Ministries, little red R. Bless you. We'll see you soon.